the Lord and welcome to Russ Podcast tonight. I'm your host, Kirk Space. Are you saved today? Do you have a born-again Christian experience that you want to share on the show? Are you religious? Are you questioning the Bible or even God's existence? If so, I want to have a conversation with you. You can reach out to me at rustpodcast at proton.me. That's rustpodcast at proton.me. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. You can come find me over there. Either way works, just get a hold of me. Let's have a conversation. So tonight, this is the last one of the weekend, guys. I had Pastor Michael Jakes coming on, telling his testimony. And it was it was a very powerful testimony. You know, God bless him and some of the things that he went through. And, you know, I was able to relate uh, to, to quite a few things that, that's happened in his life and his testimony. And, you know, it was, it was just a blessing... It was just a blessing to be able to to hear what God has done in his life and be able to share it with you guys. So, without any more delay, let's get over to Pastor Michael Jakes right now. Oh, and Evelyn wants to say hi. Hi! God bless. Let's get over to it right now. All right, guys, so welcome back. Tonight I have uh, Pastor Michael Jakes on with me. How you doing, brother? Doing well, sir. How are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, we came in contact through uh, Juliana Crawshaw, and uh, you've been on her program before. And, yes. you know, she said that uh, I should reach out to you, and you have a, a pretty incredible story, and, you know, God moved uh, tremendously in your life, so I'm looking forward to hearing about it. So, Well, I'm looking forward to relating it. Yeah, amen. And uh, so before we uh, open in prayer and get into your story, uh, you have uh, quite quite the resume of uh, some works that you do. So just tell the audience, you know, uh, where you're from, uh, the name of your ministry, where they could find you, uh, a little bit about your programs that you do. And, you know, you got a couple books out also, don't you? Yes, sir. Yes, I do. Yeah, so just let everybody know where they can find you and, you know, your websites and stuff like that. Okay, well, um, I am, as I said, I am Michael Jakes, and I'm, a, I'm a, an associate pastor uh, at a little church in Brooklyn, New York. Um, my ministry is is apart from uh, my church work, uh, but my online ministry is That's the Word Ministries. Uh, we've been online uh, since about 2000, uh, about 2009. Um, right now we have four live podcasts that we do weekly. Uh, first is the Sunday sermon series, uh, uh, Sundays at 4 PM and Monday, Monday night at 7 PM. Uh, we have the line by line webcast, which is a verse by verse Bible study, uh, on Tuesday night. If, uh, it's the Bible speaks live, what we call our hot topic Tuesday. Uh, and we basically cover, uh, topics that are relevant to uh, the body of Christ. And on Wednesday night, uh, we have the Cutting It Right Bible study, uh, nicknamed Cross Talking, because we, we uh, uh, 
in this particular Bible study, we devote all of our, uh, what we talk about uh, around the cross of Christ. Um, and I, as you said, I have written uh, several books. Uh, the first book uh, is The Lights in the Windows. It's about evangelism and Churchified or Sanctified is the second book, uh, which came out the year after. Um, and that's basically about knowing the difference between uh, someone um, who is saved or not saved. Uh, and thirdly, there's Living in Between Sundays, uh, which is basically uh, a book concerning um, how to live the Christian life and the different things that we go through on a weekly basis and how we how we deal uh, with life as a Christian. And fourth, we have, I have a book coming out in just about a month, almost exactly a month from now, entitled The Other Side of Midnight. It's basically a sequel to the second book, uh, Churchified or Sanctified, and it's about, um, it's about avoiding uh, the danger of unsaved Christianity, uh, people who are saved, who believe they are saved, but actually are not. So uh, there you have it. That's, that's, those are the books, and that's what we do online, and uh, God has been good. God has been good. Well, praise God. You, that's, uh, you seem like a busy guy. That's <laughs> glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Yes. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll get us open here with a word of prayer, and then uh, I'll let you take, take the floor. Okay. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you tonight, Lord, for your grace, your mercy. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to, to come together here with, with Pastor Michael Jakes tonight to let him share his testimony of what you've done in his life, Lord. And Father, we pray that the listening audience may have ears to hear and a heart open and willing to accept the truth of your word. And Lord, we pray you get all the glory in this. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, brother. Amen. Well, however you want to lay this out, you know, paint the picture of, of what God's done in your life, you know, that... It's up to you. Let the Spirit lead it. Okay. Well, uh, as I said previously, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Been a Brooklyn native. Been living there all my life. Um, grew up in the projects. Let me say in the projects of Brooklyn, New York. Um, and my childhood was not not anything really spectacular, except as I look back, I do realize uh, that I was probably. Uh, a step away from being uh, an atheist, or at least an agnostic. Um, th that that seems to be the direction uh, as I look back that I was going in. Uh, but I can recall growing up and watching all Roberts on television, different religious programs on television, uh, getting up early and watching these shows, not knowing what I was looking at, not understanding it at all. Uh, but I do have memories uh, of doing that. Um, and one of the things uh, that I distinctly remember uh, growing up when I would go to sleep, uh, some people, uh, as the old saying goes, some people count sheep, uh, how I would sort of put myself to sleep as a child many times. Uh, I would lay there on the bed looking at the ceiling and say, who made God? And then I would say, who made the man that made God? And who made the man that made the man? And I would go all, and I would fall asleep. Uh, didn't have any uh, real connection to God. My family was not a church-going family. Uh, I would attend my uncle's church uh, every now and again on Easter. I do recall there's some pictures of me uh, dressed in my Easter's best when I was about maybe six or seven years old. But that was my only that was my only exposure to church. I can still recall my 
the first Christian song I ever heard and, and learned. Uh, it was one of um, uh, it was uh, leaning on the everlasting arms. That was the first uh, song that I uh, that I ever uh, learned. Uh, but once again, my life was not anything that was spectacular growing up. Uh, but I do know that my life was headed in a wrong direction. Uh, I had a friend. I had a friend that was Jehovah's Witness. Uh, I can still recall this. And uh, he would occasionally tell me and my other friends uh, about God. From his perspective, he was Jehovah's Witness. I, I didn't know the difference from a Jehovah's Witness from anything else. Uh, but he would talk about uh, God. Uh, and I recall one day uh, as he was talking, he, he began talking about demons. To me, I associated demons with things out of comic books. I had a whole bunch of comic books. And so demons were something, it was a joke. I had no understanding at all. And he started telling me that these things were real, angels and demons. And, and, and I went home uh, and I was about maybe 12 years old at the time. Uh, and I went home and I was a latchkey kid. I had the key to get in. Nobody was home. And I stood in my living room. Do not try this at home, ladies and gentlemen. But I stood in my living room at home. I looked up at the ceiling and I said, demons, come and get me. Mm. I said those words. I totally ignorant, not understanding what I was talking about. As I stood there, I literally began to to hear noises. I've li been living in that house all my life. Wow. And I began hearing noises that I had never heard before. So um, I left. I got out of the house. I left. And when my mother came home, I went back in the house. But uh, that was something that I recall that I did. That was, I mean, totally. Why would anybody do something like that? But because I didn't have any understanding and any respect for the things of God. And that, that's why I say, uh, that I was, I believe that I was probably on my way to either being an atheist or an agnostic. Um, but something changed when my sister, my sister in her first day at high school, uh, she came home and she began uh, talking about this boy that she had met and this boy invited her to church. And so she, she started going to church with him. Well, my sister got saved. My sister got saved. And if you knew anything about my sister, she was a bit militant in her approach uh, to life at that time, but she got saved. And she invited everyone in the house to go to church, uh, including me. I had no desire. I didn't care, but I said I'd go. And so this particular Sunday comes and I go to church and and what impressed me most about the church that I remember in my first visit, uh, what that is that there were girls there. Uh, I was about 14 now, uh, and there were girls that I had never known and never seen before. That, that was my impression. So from that, I said, okay, I'm coming back to this church. And sure enough, I came back. And I was coming back not for anything, that had to do with God, but I came back because of those girls that I saw. Nothing happened between myself and any girls there, but I just went because I was just, uh, the word that we used to use back then was a knucklehead. <laughs> I, was a, I was a knucklehead. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, um, but one day, one particular Sunday, I recall as I was there that the pastor 
began speaking, and this sounds very cliche-ish, I understand, but he spoke a verse that I will never forget. He spoke, uh, I didn't know it at the time, but he spoke Romans chapter 6, verse number 23. Mm. He said that the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And those words pierced my heart. I didn't understand what was going on, but those words really, really got at me. They really got at my heart. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't know what was taking place inside of me, uh, what it was as I look back. I was being convicted by the Holy Spirit, and I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to do with it because my understanding of sin at my age at that point in time, I believe that I had never sinned. I was, and there are many, I, I, I would believe that there are many who believe that they're okay the way they are. And being 14 years old, I said, listen, I've never hurt anybody. I never murdered, I've never murdered anybody. I've never done anything bad to anybody. I was, I was a shy person, always considered myself a shy person, uh, a, a, what they call a mama's boy. I can still remember hiding behind my mother's skirts when people would be talking to her and they would look at me and say, oh, hi. They would look at me and say hi, and I'd be hiding behind my mother's skirts, literally. So I was very shy. And so my opinion of my own self was that uh, not me. I'm not a sinner. And I carried that with me. That's, that was my argument fighting against this scripture verse, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because I, everybody else might be a sinner, but not me. My understanding of sin was not the Bible's uh, truth about sin. And so I lived my life uh, for about a year and a half, basically in rebellion to that verse. I kept coming to church, but I was in rebellion against that particular verse. Making friends at the church, a lot of the guys, we became friends. Uh, but I was, once again, I was beginning away from the church during the week. I was beginning to get in trouble. I was hanging around with people that would definitely get me in trouble. And how do I know that? Because those, those young men my age that I was hanging around with, they're all gone now. They all, they all, most of them passed away and they passed away kind of hard. Some of them in jail, uh, some of them died violently, but I was with them. I was with them. And to this day, to this day, I still, uh, think about why me why did he call me why did he pull me out from this crowd we were all there doing the same things why did he choose to pull me out and save me i was not any better and it, and, I, and i wasn't uh but once again once again it's it's just uh, the grace of god it's just by the grace of god and so i kept coming to church that way uh in this state of rebellion uh and one day, uh, one day as I was at my house, I came home from school, and I recall that there was a, I was in the kitchen, and there was a knife that was there in the kitchen. And, and he, here's, once again, here's when you are in the presence of this great salvation. I've been in church for like almost a year and a half, over two years now, and I'm in church and I'm hearing the gospel and I'm not, I'm not 
getting saved, but I'm hearing it and I'm under conviction. Uh, the enemy, he, he is limited. Satan is very limited in his knowledge uh, of what goes on in our mind. All, all he has is a, is, a, is a view of what we do. He can't, he can't read our thoughts or anything like that. But I was definitely uh, in a rebellious state, uh, not running, running from God, not being, not being in Christ, but yet still I was running from the truth that I, that I had heard. And I was in my house and here's this knife in the kitchen. And I pick up this knife and I look at it and I poke my belly with it. I, I, all I did was poke my belly. I didn't, I didn't really try to stab myself, but I, I had it in my hand and I just jabbed at my stomach and I looked at the knife and I threw it in the sink and I walked away. And I, I believe to this day that the, that the enemy wanted to take me out. Uh, the enemy himself uh, knew that I was in the presence of the gospel and that I could get saved from hearing this gospel over and over again. Um, it was a little bit of time uh, after that that I realized that I need to get saved. This rebellion was not working and I needed to be saved. And I wanted to be saved. But once again, the enemy had me in his grip that this self-righteousness, self-righteousness is an evil, uh, I'll call it an evil taskmaster. Self-righteousness is a terrible thing. Uh, if it gets you in its clutches, it, it, it just tells you that you're fine, that you're, you're okay. You don't need this. That, that, that's it for everybody else. But, but I was so much in the grip of self-righteousness that it was really, it was really keeping me uh, from the Lord. Uh, we know that the bottom line, the bottom line cause for, uh, for people not getting saved is unbelief. So, of course, I was in a state of unbelief. Uh, no matter how much I was uh, in rebellion and not giving my heart to the Lord, unbelief still is the is the basic bottom line reason why people don't get saved. And I said, "Listen, I need to get saved." And for that whole week, what see this is this is what I did not understand yet. I didn't understand that this desire to get saved now that I had, I didn't need to wait. There was a there was going to be a youth service on Friday night. Uh, that particular Friday night coming up, I didn't need to wait. I could I could pray anywhere and get saved. I could pray in my house, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, anywhere. I I, I but I didn't know that. I thought I needed to be in the church building and wait for the altar call to get saved. And so, because I was ignorant of this, that's exactly what I did. I waited. I waited for that Friday night with anticipation. Now I don't want to. I don't want it to give the. Uh, the, re the I don't want to get the impression that I was in charge of my own salvation. Now, none of us are in charge of our own salvation. Uh, salvation is of the Lord. If it were not for him, I would not have been convicted. But that conviction did lead to me having a strong desire to give my heart to him. Uh, and basically, in my mind, I was saying, I'm going to get saved now. Once, once again, it's not me, myself deciding that, okay, now I'm going to let you save me, Lord. That, that's not it, what it is. But I went to church that night, and all the guys, they're sitting in the back. 
where we always used to sit and make fun of people praying. This is what we did. We, we would make fun of people, of the brothers and sisters up in the front praying and, and worshiping God and praising God. We would just sit in the back and just really, really have a rollicking good time just laughing at people. But this particular Friday night, I, I walked in. I said, I cannot, I, I cannot sit with them. I, if I sit with them, I won't walk up to the front. And so I walked in the church, small church, and I walked up the aisle. They're all in place in the back. And when they see me walk in and walk past them, they start calling my name. They say, Mike, hey, Mike. You know, they weren't shouting, but they were saying it loud enough that I could hear them saying, Mike, Mike, where you going? Where you going? I went and I sat directly in the front of the church, in the first row, almost right in the lap of the speaker that night, who was a particular speaker uh, that we used to, uh, uh, that used to come to the church. He, he was a, uh, a youth leader and he would come. Uh, and I sat right up in the front. And, and the strange thing about it is, as much as much as I put myself, quote, put myself in place that night, I don't have any memory of what that uh, that man spoke about that night. I, I, I don't have any memory of what he said, what he spoke about. All I know is that I was waiting for the end where the altar call came. And when the altar call did come, he said, lift up your hand if you don't know the Lord. And, and, and I'm sitting there in the front row. And I'm so, I was so mindful uh, of where I was and not wanting to be seen. This is, this is terrible. Just relating this is a terrible thing, but I was so mindful of not being seen. I didn't want anybody to see me walking up to the front and lifting my hand and going up. That, that's why I sat in the front. That's one of the other reasons why I sat in the front. Because when the altar call came, I didn't want to have to take that walk all the way down the aisle. That's one of the second reason why I was in the front end. And when he gave that altar call, I was sitting so close to the front altar that I, I lifted up my hand very, very timidly. And I took a step. I took one step. And I was on my knees at the altar. That's how close I was to the altar. And I was on my knees. And, you know, you, you, you hear about a sinner's prayer and we're all familiar with the sinner's prayer. Um, I didn't know anything about any kind of a sinner's prayer, not a thing. And the only thing that I had, the only thing that I knew to say was help me, God, help me, God. And, and, and that's all I had. What, what I believe is what I believe is true is that uh, when we pray. And once again, the sinner's prayer is 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 something that is necessary and, and it's needful. But when we pray, I, I don't believe that God is looking uh, at our so much at our terminology that we get all of our terminology just right. Uh, dot our I's and cross our T's instead of our terminology being just right. I believe that our uh, theology needs to be right. You see, my heart, my heart was saying, Jesus Christ, I need you. Jesus Christ, you're my savior. Jesus Christ, uh, I believe that you died for me. That's what my heart was saying. When you look at the thief on the cross, the thief on the cross, all he said was, uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
He didn't mention, dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me. Once again, nothing wrong with those words. Those words are, are perfect. They're excellent. But he didn't say those words. Not at all. God, uh, rather, Jesus saw his heart. He saw the theology that was in his heart. He wasn't concerned about the terminology uh, that would come from his uh, that would come from his lips. And the Lord saved him that day. Today you will be with me in paradise. And so from my prayer, uh, my simple prayer of help me, God. Now, listen, what I do know now, once again, a lot of all of this is just looking back, looking back. I know that I was in a battle for my soul because all I saw when, naturally when you close your eyes, you see darkness. But this darkness that I saw as my eyes were closed, this was a different this was a different kind of a darkness. It, it, it was almost, as the Bible says in the book of Exodus, I believe, it was like a felt darkness. I, I could feel, I could almost feel like it, like the, uh, like the powers of hell were, were assaulting me uh, because I just kept praying, help me, God, help me, God. And I had my fist banging on the altar. Help me, God. I need you, God. Help me, God. I didn't know anything. I didn't know literally didn't know anything else to say. And as I prayed those words and prayed those words, I don't know how long I was there. I estimate that I probably was there uh, a good 15 to 20 minutes as I just kept pleading. This is what I was doing. Listen, I, I just didn't know what else to do. And I'm not saying, maybe I would say that that very moment in time, but my youth pastor he put his, at some point in time, he put his hand on my shoulder, he lifted me up, and he put his arms around me, and he began praying for me. And as he began to pray for me, I began to pray. I'd never prayed before in the way that he was praying for me, but I began to pray. Uh, and I broke, and I just started just bawling and crying. Uh, when, it was all, when it was all said and done, I knew that I was saved. I, I, it, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, salvation is such that it is quite unexplainable, especially here's what needs to happen once you are saved. This is a proof that you are saved. You change. Amen. Something happens. If there, if, if there is no change that you can recognize, and once again, change change happens uh, at different speeds at different individuals. But there is a change. There's a change that takes place that is so obvious. And I knew, I knew that I was born again. Whatever born again meant. The pastor, after this was all over, uh, the pastor stood up and said, anybody here tonight, did, did God bless anybody tonight? Did anybody get saved? And I jumped up. Listen. You know Michael Jakes. You know he doesn't talk in front of crowds. You know he's shy. He is not going to jump up and tell somebody what happened to him. I jumped up out of my seat. And by that time, I had sort of dried up and my tears were sort of uh, gone. I had been crying for such a long time. And I just, once I stood up and I began relating uh, what the Lord had done, the, the tears started flowing again. Um, I went home and the next morning, the next morning, I got up, and this is I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this as another proof that things change when you get saved. 
Now, I, I also don't want anybody to think uh, that if their salvation didn't happen in this way, then they're not saved. No, 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 no. This, this is how it happened with me, with me. Change, yes, is necessary, but what I'm about to relate, if it, if it didn't happen like this for you, don't begin to think, well, maybe I need to go back to the altar. No, but what happened was when I woke up that morning, and my bed was right next to the window. It was a Saturday morning. The next morning, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Brother Kirk, the the sun was shining in a way that I had never seen it before or since. Hallelujah. The sun was shining. I mean, the sun, it was the grass, the, the, the grass on the ground. It was almost glowing. It, I I looked, I just woke up and sat up in the bed and looked, I lived on, we lived on the second floor. So everything was very, was right there in my face. And I looked and I saw, and I, and I just said, wow, the grass is greener. The sun is brighter. I knew what happened the night before, but this, this once again was another personal proof that something had definitely happened to me. And, you know, I had related that particular incident about waking up and seeing uh, the sun is brighter and the green and the grass is greener. I related that a few times over the years, but I've never heard, heard anybody else say it before until just a few years ago, I was listening to Pastor Carl Brown. Uh, and he was preaching at, uh, he was, he was preaching and um, at family worship center and, and he began preaching and he was relating the story of his own salvation, how he was on, he was in his car, he was on his way to gamble. And all of a sudden the Lord changed him and saved him uh, right there while he was in the car. He turned around and went back home. Uh, but, but he said, when I got saved, he said that the grass was greener and the sun was brighter. I have never ever heard anyone else say those words, and I'm watching the TV, and this is uh, this is forty some odd years later, okay? And he said those words, and I just began to to cry, because it, it once again it it speaks of the change, the internal change that happens when an individual is born again, the the, the presence of the Spirit of God in someone's life makes it impossible for you to remain the same right uh jesus does not save us in our sin he saves us from our sin and i i, I was you know my, my my testimony is not one that uh, i can say that there was a you know that i was uh into drugs or into alcohol or or, or i did a whole lot of other things yeah i was i was young i was 14 but my but my my sin my sin was self righteousness. I'm okay. I'm good. I'm all right. I don't need all of that. Uh, th that God had to God had to really deliver me from that mindset uh, in order for me uh, to get saved. God's word is real. When the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, is death. That's exactly uh, what He means. But you know, when another another proof, another personal proof that I was born again, uh, I, I love playing basketball. 
uh, I, I would still love to play basketball. My, uh, my, my body says go ahead out there, but my mind says you better not do it. <laughs> I, I, I would love to do it, but uh, uh, I would love to play. I love playing basketball, but when I played basketball, I would, I would curse. I, I, my language before I was saved was terrible. I tell people that some of the words that you hear people using today, that I am the one who invented those words. I was terrible. My language was just so bad. Uh, and so, but when, after I got saved, I continued playing basketball, of course, but the language remained. See, what the, the Bible, uh, the, what, we, what we learn after you get saved is that, uh, uh, Brother Swaggart mentions that there are clinging vines of the fall. Even though you're born again, even though you are miraculously saved and regenerated, uh, there are things, some things that just don't go away overnight. And my language was one of them. I, I just, when I played basketball, I got so intense that the bad words would, would just come out. But this now convicted me. I didn't care what I said before. No way. But now I said, I ooh, I can't. So what I did, uh, there was basically a, a, a moratorium on basketball playing. I would not play basketball as long as I knew that I would speak that way. I just stopped playing. I stopped playing for several months until I believed the Lord had, had dealt with me enough uh, that I could go out there. Uh, and I went out after several months and I played and the language was, was gone. The bad language was gone. The, the Spirit of God begins his work on you as soon as you get saved. As soon as you become born again, his spirit begins his work, uh, changing your life uh, and, and bringing you into conformity with, uh, with his son. And, and that work began. And, and I, was, I, 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 I was so blessed. But having said all of that, I, I can also say, that I would live to backslide. And the backslidden condition uh, is a terrible condition. It happens when an individual takes their eyes off of Jesus. I was one of those that was on fire for the Lord, but I lost the passion. I lost the quote drive. That's probably not the right word, but I lost it uh, because I took my eyes, I took my eyes off Jesus. Uh, and I, I lived in a state of, uh, in a backlidden state for, for several years. For several years, you know, I would I would go on and I would, I would get married uh, uh, at age twenty. Actually, I got married when I was twenty years old. I've been married. Put it this way, I've been married since I was twenty years old. Um, I used to I used to tell my friends at the job uh, that I was married uh, at, at age twenty, and and they would say to the same person. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, I'm married. I'm married to the same person uh, since I was 20 years old. Uh, and I, but I would, but I, but I backslid, but I backslid. But the Lord, see what the Lord does is, the Lord is so gracious. When you turn, when you turn your back on Him, He, the Scripture is so true when it says, "I will never leave you, nor forsake you." Now, once again, my life was not such that I began going out and 
and hanging out all night and smoking and drinking. That that's not what happened when I backslid. You see, my backslidden state happened while I was still inside the church building. I was still in the church building. I never left. I never left. It would be praise the Lord. And then when when the pastor would say, in Jesus' name, amen, you're you're dismissed. I was out and I lived my own life. I, I just I was there in body, but I wasn't there. Uh, in spirit, and I and I would live this way uh, for for several years uh, until the Lord graciously, graciously uh, brought me back uh, to Him uh, under very, very. Uh, once again, I'm going to call it strange. They're not really strange. God is all in it. But my my brother-in-law came over to the house, and he was younger than I, but he was having some difficulties. Uh, I'm married to his sister, and uh, uh, and he wanted to know what to do. He, he came to me basically for counsel. Let me let me just talk, say that. And I'm talking to him about the things of God, knowing that my life was a shambles, uh, knowing that I was basically living a a hypocritical life. So you don't forget, you don't forget what you know, even though I wasn't living it. I still knew it. Right. And so I'm talking to him about the things that he needed to do, get himself right. You know, you need to get yourself together. You know? uh, and I said, listen, the church right now, they're having an all night, all night prayer meeting. And they were. And so let, let, let's get dressed. Let, let's go to the church and pray. And so we got dressed. I got dressed. And, and we went to the church. And was, they were praying. I had been to the all night prayer meeting many times. But they were praying. And I went up. And I got on my knees beside him, praying for him, and ended up praying for myself. And as I was praying, I saw once again, as I said, when your eyes are closed, you see this darkness. I saw this darkness. And I began to pray, Lord, Lord, it's so dark. Lord, it's so dark. And the Lord reclaimed me right there. When I got when I got up, when I got up from that altar, I knew that the Lord had brought me back in. I knew that the Lord had brought me back in right there. And I began, uh, oh, man, I began reading and studying and and buying commentaries. This this is when my 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 Bible study life really began. I mean, I. I. I just went out and bought everything I could find, uh, study Bibles and, and all sorts of things, uh, just to, I, I, be, I got my passion back. <laughs> I got the passion that I had lost, I, I got it back. And I channeled all of my, my energy, my quote energy, uh, it's just the spirit of God, but I channeled my energy into just knowing the Bible and reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Um, and, and once again, still married, and 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 uh, think things were difficult. Uh, things were difficult. Um, God al- God allows us to go through things many times. Uh, sometimes financially, uh, He really allows us to go through some things that uh, that are quite difficult. And I can recall people bringing food over uh, when we didn't have any. People would just show up at the door. Uh, with a box and box full of food on Thanksgiving, people would show up with food, uh, a couple of turkeys. Uh, so we were never, 
we were never allowed to remain destitute. We've always, we always had people that would bless us with stuff and things uh, that we needed at a particular time. Uh, so, so God, uh, God is good. Uh, God has been good. Um, it, it's, it's just been a life that is, uh, I, I just, I can only say that if it were not for the Lord, uh, where would I be? Amen. Um, I also have, uh, at this point in time, I have two children. I have two children. Um, I have two girls. Um, but I had four children. I had four children. Um, my son, when my, when my son was born, well, after my children were born, I, I, I would always, and I can remember listening to the radio. I can remember listening to different people over the radio. Uh, and any time that they would talk about anything that had to do with grief, anything that had to do with grief, I would turn it off. I, I, I just didn't want to hear about people that lost this person and lost that person. I, I just didn't want to hear those messages uh, over the radio at that time. Uh, and I can still remember uh, just, just just shutting it off. It's it, it's it's almost as if looking back now that uh, that the Lord was trying to prepare me, trying to prepare me. It seems it, it, maybe that's not the case, but it would seem that the Lord was trying to prepare me. But I would always not listen to that. Uh, and uh, my son grew up, uh, and he went into the service. My son went into the service. He went into the he went into the Navy, and uh, he went into the Navy when he was nineteen. Uh, and, and he came home and my son came home from the service and while he was home, 9-11 happened. 9-11 happened. Uh, the, the attack on the world trade center happened while he was home and he came, uh, in my room, uh, in, in, in the room where I was, I had just walked my daughter to school. Uh, she was 10 and and he came in and said, did you see what happened? I said, no, I turned on the TV and there, there it was. And my son says, you know, it's gonna be a war. So I said, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's gonna be a war or not. But time passes and uh, uh, about a week after that, uh, he gets his orders and he, is, uh, and he is shipped off to Okinawa, Japan on an aircraft carrier. Uh, and uh, while he was in Okinawa, uh, that's when President Bush uh, sent the uh, soldiers uh, into uh, Afghanistan, off the coast of Afghanistan. Um, and it was there, it was there uh, that the little skirmishes began to happen at the start of uh, Operation, I believe they call it Operation Enduring Freedom. And I was at work, I was at work one day, uh, and uh, my wife was on the phone and she just called me up and said, Michael, I said, yeah. She said, Jamel is dead. Mm. She said, Jamel is dead. He was actually Michael Jr. Uh, but we call him Jamel. J Jamel is dead. I said, what? Jamel is dead. And I was, wow. I told my coworker we worked late, and I, I told him what happened. And uh, 
I got my gear together and 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 I just left. Longest subway ride I ever took. Longest subway ride I ever. It was the long. It was a long ride, and I got off the train and I'm walking home and still, still in disbelief. What is going on? I get to my door, and the and and there are news people all outside of my door, uh, because my son. My son was the actually the sixth casualty of the war. Number six out of the thousands that died in wow. Afghanistan, my son was number six. And, and 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 news people were outside my door waiting to get a word from me. Uh, I just went past them, and my house was crowded with people from the church, family members. My daughter, my ten-year-old daughter, was in the corner, and she was and she was crying her eyes out. Uh, and it, it 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 everything after that is sort of sort of a blur. I don't remember a whole lot that happened in the last two weeks. Uh, after that, uh, they took a while for his body to, because he was he was in uh, Bahrain, and it took a while for for them for his body to to come back to to Brooklyn. Uh, but um, and and so the grief was great. The grief was 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 great. But but God. God is good. God is good. Uh, about a year later, uh, about a year later, not a not a year later, ten months later, uh, ten months later, my uh, my wife and my daughter they headed out to Washington D.C. Uh, on a church trip. Uh, I stayed back. I stayed home with my other daughter and and my ten year old daughter. And uh, well, she was eleven now, and uh, she. Uh, we wake up. I wake up in the morning. My daughter wakes me up. My older daughter wakes me up in the morning, and says that uh, my youngest daughter, whom I had named Caris, uh, which means Grace, uh, the circumstances surrounding her birth necessitated that I call her Grace. Um, and my daughter said that she was having trouble breathing. So I got up and I went, and she was. She was laying on the floor in, in uh, right beside the bathroom, right in front of the bathroom, and she was having trouble breathing, having trouble breathing. And I and I and I and she just I had her in my arms and she just swooned right in my arms. She just she just passed away right in my arms. And mm. and I tried to bring her back uh, futile attempt to, to bring her back. And um, paramedics came. And they worked on her in that room for well over an hour. And they told me that she was gone. And this was 10 months after we lost our son. Wow. And now my young, my oldest and my youngest were gone. And I'm telling you, my brother, the, the, the grief. And I know, and, and I, and I know my, my grief is not anything special or different from anybody else's grief or, or greater than anybody else's grief. But I'm telling you, grief is real especially when it's your own children uh especially when you're you're sort of uh sort of blindsided I, i'll use the word blindsided back to back uh it is it is a terrible terrible thing uh but you know what god has been good god has been good he's been gracious uh through it all um no uh th there's no there's no room for any anger or bitterness. Um, I remember at the time when my son died, I can remember thoughts shooting through my mind. Who do I blame for this? Who do I blame for this? Never God, 
But I said, who do I blame? Do I blame? Uh, 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 do I blame uh, Ben Laden for this? Do I blame President Bush for this for sending all of these different things are swirling around in my mind at the time, and and, and it's nobody's fault. It, it's no, it, you 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 have to come to that conclusion that it's no one's fault because if you allow your mind to go there, uh, you 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 I, I would have been a, a very angry, bitter individual. Uh, we just have to allow God to have His way. God is sovereign. God is absolutely sovereign. He sees, he knows, he understands, and I do not say that he caused or he did or what. however it is, we have to align ourselves with God's plan. And God is in control. And everything that has happened since my son's death and since my daughter's death, uh, God has been in it. God has been in it. I, I told God that I would never stop. I told God that I would never, uh, that I would never stop serving him. Uh, we're still serving. We're still serving him. Um, and the enemy, the enemy would love for our life events to take us out. But as I said earlier concerning salvation, salvation is real. Sal salvation is real. And the presence of the spirit of God. Even in the midst of my backslidden state, I was in such a, I was in such a terrible way, constantly under conviction, constantly under conviction. But once again, doing what I did best at that time, running from God, running from God. But God still held me fast. An old song says, uh, he holds me fast. He holds me fast. My Savior, I love him so. He holds me fast. He has been holding me. He has been holding us all these years uh, through everything. And, and and God is just good. God God is just good. There's no there's no way around it. He is just uh, a good God. He's a good God, my brother. Wow. Wow. God bless you, brother. That's uh. You know, you said a few things that I, I can totally relate with. You know, the one thing I wanted to um, bring out, like I, I was uh, agnostic also growing up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I took a liking to the heavy metal scene and playing uh -huh. death metal and getting all these tattoos. And, you know, I used yeah. to wear shirts that had upside down crosses on them that said, I'm the yeah. Antichrist. And, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't believe all that stuff. I just liked how it looked. You know, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, me and my friends got big into what we called ghost hunting. And we went oh. to all these haunted places all over Pennsylvania. And, you know, long story short, uh, I ended up coming in, in contact with some demons. And they attached themselves to me. Mm. And they stuck with me for about 15 years of my life. Wow. And when I got to the point of researching the gospel, uh, those those demonic attacks amplified by a, a landslide because the devil knew. How did, how did how did they uh reveal themselves in your life how did they how did you know that that's what they were well they were i mean i would have um uh paranormal events happening in my room at night uh door, wow. doors slamming shut in my face uh cabinets oh. opening and closing uh, i mean yeah. i have a whole laundry list of things that that happened to me throughout my yeah. life 
And when I got to the point of investigating the gospel, the, these events got drastically worse and I was having sleep paralysis. There was a, wow. a, a demon figure that would manifest in my bedroom at night and it felt like this thing would whip me around my room and I was useless. But you, what, what you said when, when you got to the altar, when you first realized you needed to be saved and you closed your eyes right, and you realized it was a spiritual battle and right. it's a felt darkness, as, as you said, what was uh, yeah. written in yeah. Exodus. I, <laughs> it's unbelievable because I, I experienced the exact same thing. The night before I got saved, I had a dream that I missed the rapture. And Moloch had revealed himself to me in my dream. And he told me that I'm next. He's going to kill me. I'm I'm not going anywhere. I'm his. And he he levitated me off the ground and sucked me towards him. And it felt like I was stabbed in my back. And I I shot up awake in tears, panicked. And I thought, if I don't give my heart to the Lord, I'm I'm not going to make it. Like the, the darkness and the fear was so tangible and so real. You know, so I, I know what that feels like, man, of, of closing your eyes in that darkness yeah, that, that you could feel it. And it's it's yep. a spiritual battle, you know, and, and praise God, you know, that <laughs> he pulled us through it, you yes, know. And, and I remember, you know, after uh, that next day I got saved, man, you you nailed it spot on. Like, uh, and even my buddy, if you go listen to episode four of my show, it's uh, Adam. Yeah. He, he's the one who gave me the gospel, and he said the same thing. He said, the next day I woke up, the sky was more blue and the grass was greener than I've ever wow. seen. Him. Yeah, <laughs> bro, I'm not even kidding. Like, him it's and I, true. yeah, it is. It's like you're, it's like you're seeing life for the first time exactly. ever. It's unbelievable. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I'm always amazed to hear somebody else say the same thing. Wow. That's right. True. It's true. Yeah, and I remember for a good month, a good solid month, because I drive truck for a living, that yeah. first month after I got saved, it was just amazing. Like, it felt so good to drive because I was, it felt like I was seeing everything clearer for the first time in my life and just yeah. looking at the sky and the grass. And it was like, it was such a good feeling. Like, it was incredible. Yes. Wow. Yes. Praise God, man. Hallelujah. God is good, man. I'm telling you, the, the, it's the it's the presence, the presence. As I said earlier, the presence of the Holy Ghost in your life makes it impossible for you to stay the same. Absolutely, you know. And yep. and sometimes, hey, for for some, for some, uh, it it may it it may he may reveal reveal himself in them in a, in a in a different kind of a way. Right. But I know for me, the change was 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 spiritual, of course, but it was also. My, my sight visible. I yeah. mean, literally things looked absolutely different to me. Yeah. And, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Evidence of change, man. And, you know, I brought up too. you know, there's a lot of similarities with your testimony to mine. It's pretty incredible. When when I got saved, you know, the opposite happened to me that happened to you, whereas my language used to be foul and rotten. And I would use the Lord's name in vain, probably every other word. And yeah, after I yeah. got saved, that disappeared immediately and i didn't even notice for like four or five days and then i realized like i haven't said a swear word in almost a week like it just it it 
was gone. Now, granted, there's some other things that that stayed on and hung around. There you go. See, yeah. You know, but it's you know, it's that evidence of change, and you know, that's that's the whole purpose of this show, man, is to to show the world that being a born again Christian, there is there is a change that takes place. Absolutely. If if there's no evidence of change in your life after you say a sinner's prayer. You yeah. you didn't do it right, or there's something yeah. wrong, and you know something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong. when Sister Doreen Burrett was on my my show, she she opened her testimony with saying, "There's a lot of good people in hell," because yeah. and I wanted to ask you, you know, and when you were sitting in church then as a kid, and and the pastor mm-hmm. read the scripture out of Romans, um, yeah, that you were in rebellion against, and you thought, "Not me, that's not me." Was that ever? Because th- that's a common common theme with with a lot of people. They think I'm a good person. That that doesn't apply to me. Was that idea taught to you at any point, or did that just come to you by f- by default? That you know, it, it came it it came to me by default. I was not taught it. It just I just knew. I put new in quotation because I really didn't. I just knew that I was not a bad person. Right. I mean, I I guess I was so young that the bot, my body of work was not big enough for me to even think for a moment that I had ever done anything that was considered sinful. Right. But I, I had the bad language and I was hanging out with some bad people doing some bad things. And, but I was a sinner. Yeah. It was just, it was just that my whole mind, my whole understanding of what a sinner was, uh, was, was, was totally uh, wrong. A sinner to me was somebody who really did, bad thing right like hurt people. Hitler that was, and, yeah you know the jails are full of sinners but yeah. I, i've never been to jail you know all that so i'm not a sinner so i'm not a bad person but uh no i think i think it's a natural thing for for most of us to uh on certain levels to be just listen i'm not that bad i'm okay we compare ourselves with other people right i'm not like them i'm yeah. not like him i'm not like her yeah if you compare yourself to other people you're, you're gonna come out smelling like roses yeah comparing yourself to selectively to other people mm-hmm. but the fact is that we're all sinners all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and there every are every single yep. one and there are none that none seek after god no not one you know that's right and uh yeah and you know i was i had the same same conversation with with sister doreen and she said i don't even know if i was ever taught that or anybody taught me that it's just that's what I thought. And, you know, it made me yeah. remember, you know, as a kid or growing up. And I thought I, I would probably go to heaven because, you know, I, I haven't done that bad of things. And, you know, it, it brought to my attention. There was a video I saw online about a week or so ago. And mm-hmm. the, these Christians grabbed uh, four random guys at a college and they brought them in to interview them. And they only asked all four of these guys one question. And they mm-hmm. asked every one of them. Why do you deserve to go to heaven? Well, mm. the first guy, he says, uh, well, I think I deserve to go to heaven because I'm a good person. You know, I'm a good son. I don't give my parents a hard time. Uh, I have good grades, you know, so on and so forth. They get to the second guy and he says, well, I think I deserve to go to heaven because, you know, I, I never went to jail. I don't do any drugs. Uh, I don't drink you know, I'm a pretty good student, so on and so forth. They get right. to the third guy, and he doesn't say anything. And he's sitting there, and he's, like, you could see he's thinking about it. 
So then they skip him and go to the fourth guy. And the fourth guy says, you know, same stuff. He says, I'm not a bad guy. Never been to jail, never been incarcerated. I read my Bible, you know, a couple times. Right. I, I go to church on Sunday, so on and so forth. Then they finally yeah. go back to the third guy. And he says, well, I don't. I don't deserve to go to heaven. And Ooh. he explained why, and he preached the gospel. And, you know, it was such a sad representation of the state of the world today, because that's the majority yeah. of people that they all believe based on how they perform or going to church or reading the Bible, that that's going to qualify them to get into heaven. And it's, it. it's such a sad state that I'm seeing because, you know, brother, when I was growing up, uh, there were only a few people in my life that were Christians. And, right. you know, after I ended up getting saved, you know, I always thought everybody that said they were Christian were Christians. You know, I thought I right. was a Christian later on, but after getting born again and starting to see this stuff, right. I realized maybe 2% of the people claiming they were Christians are actually Christian. Yeah. And it, it it's a it's a reality check. It really is. And like I said, that's that's the whole purpose of this show is to to show the world of what it means to be born again and Absolutely. and that there needs to be you see, a most change. people are looking for uh most people talk about uh they they are a good person. Yeah. Well, he, he, the the brutal the brutal truth on that statement is that God is not looking for good people. Right. Uh, he, righteous people. <laughs> Amen. Righteous. You, there's none righteous, no, not one. No, none of us are good, uh, but he can make us righteous. You know, salvation is not behavior modification or anything like that. Salvation is on the inside. Uh, and it, it's so important that we really grab a hold of that because there is a, and that's what my book, my the book is all about that, but I, I won't get into all of that, but it's just this, this I, I believe that this sort of this unsaved Christianity that is, is sort of in, has enveloped the church. People mm -hmm. are, people are believing that they are saved because they are in the building every right. week yep. because they did say a prayer. Nothing like I said, nothing wrong with the prayer. But if the prayer is not attached to saving faith, many people have said a sinner's prayer and nothing happened. Yep. Trust me, my brother. Many have said a sinner's prayer and it didn't do it. Not because there's something wrong with the prayer, but because there was no faith. Right. Uh, Paul talked about uh, they, that, that, uh, the Jews, they heard, but it wasn't mixed with faith. And if faith is not there, you, you can just recite words and and it, sometimes it, it just it doesn't happen. That's it. Not because God doesn't want to do it, because faith is not exhibited. Right. You know, the belief isn't there. That's right. That's yeah. Right. You know, it's uh, I don't know if it was Juliana or, or Doreen that just said it recently, like going to church and just being in the building, you know, doesn't get you saved just as much as sitting in a, uh, a garage doesn't turn you into a car. You know, it's, absolutely. So absolutely. it's 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 a terrible state of the church. And, you know, just to see religion has consumed uh, everybody, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, and it's it's rampant. It, it, it is. And, and, you know, it's not so much that we think we know who these people are. Right. The Bible is just very clear mm -hmm. that they are there. Uh, Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not uh, uh, many will come to me and that day saying, Lord, Lord. Mm. 
Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is, you know, and he says many, you know, look at the things that these individuals did. Jesus said that we have prophesied in your name and we have cast out devils in your name. We've done mighty miracle works in your name. And Jesus looked at them and said, I never knew you. Yeah. So what was it? What was it that they were doing? Uh, of course, unsaved people cannot do the things that they were saying that they had done. It was it was all a farce as, yeah. as far as God was concerned. They did not do the work that they said that they were doing. They, they thought they were. But once again, unsaved people do are not able to do the things that they said that they did. And, and God called them out on it. I, I don't know who you are. And if God says he doesn't know you, that means you don't know him. And that's a stark and brutal truth. But uh, mm -hmm. it's all about knowing Jesus, believing in who he is and what he has done, and setting your life. As we have received Christ Jesus, so walk ye in him. Amen. And that's what it's all about. Amen. Yeah, all, all those uh, religious works, you know, the Bible says they'll they'll be as wood, hay, and stubble. You know, they, they'll be yeah, they'll it. be worth that's nothing. It. Wow, that's it. Well, I think we uh, we hit an hour here, brother, and you know that was a an amazing testimony. You know, and I, I love the similarities that I was able to relate to with mine. And uh, I, I'm so I'm so blessed to hear uh, somebody else uh, sort of uh, witness with some of the things I said because you know. Sometimes you think you're out on an island by yourself. Yeah. Some of the things that you've gone through, you think that you're the only one. But when you hear other people have been there, too, right. uh, it's an encouragement. It's an encouragement. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to be on uh, with Juliana on the Crosswalk Life doing a, an in-depth on my testimony on March 14th. So okay. make sure you're around to check that one out. Yeah, but, I'll be watching for sure. Amen. So I think this is a good time, guys. We're going to start wrapping it up here. And, you know, anybody listening tonight, if... If pastor's uh, testimony spoke to your heart, or you know, if you don't know the Lord tonight, or if you're in a backslidden state, or if you just aren't sure about where you're going, or if you're religious, we're going to lead you in a sinner's prayer tonight, and it's not the words that are going to get you saved. As, as we just said, it's the belief and the faith that's attached to this. So if you believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save you from your sins and then was resurrected three days later. He will come into your heart tonight and he will change you and transform you and turn you into a new creation in Christ Jesus at the snap of a finger. All you have to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So I'm going to lead us in a sinner's prayer tonight. And Pastor Michael's going to repeat after me and you guys just follow along with us and we'll go from there. Amen. Dear God in heaven. Dear God in heaven. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. The way I've lived and the things I've done. The way I've lived and the things that I've done. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And cleanse me. And cleanse me. With your precious blood. With your precious blood. From all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. With my mouth I confess the name of the Lord Jesus. With my mouth I confess the name of the Lord Jesus. In my heart I believe. In my heart I believe. That God raised Jesus from the dead. That God raised Jesus from the dead. And that he is alive. And that he is alive. Right now, this very moment. 
right now at this very moment. I accept Jesus Christ as the Savior of my soul. I accept Jesus Christ as the Savior of my soul. And I make him the Lord of my life. And I make him the Lord of my life. And according to your holy word. And according to your holy word. Which cannot lie. Which cannot lie. I believe that I am washed. I believe that I am washed. That I am cleansed. That I am cleansed. That I am forgiven. That I am forgiven. That I am saved. That I am saved. Amen and amen. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And guys, hey, if you prayed with us tonight and you have a born-again experience that you want to share on the show, or if you have a testimony of anything that God is doing in your life, and, and even if you just want to come on and talk about God, reach out to me at rustpodcast at proton.me. That's rustpodcast at proton.me. Pastor Michael, man, I appreciate you coming on tonight and hearing your testimony. It was such a blessing, man. I thank you so much. Thanks for having me, my man. Thanks for having me so much. Absolutely, brother. And hey, guys, listening, take care. God bless. We love you. We'll see you next time. Pastor Mike, thanks, brother. Have a good night. You too. God bless you.